Chuck Brandian, professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Well, uh, the third time's the charm on that one. Yeah, nobody knows how, how <laughs> badly you've screwed up that intro. Three times. Carl, it took her three times to finally get it correct. <laughs> Welcome, and, neighbor Carl. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're listening, then you are our neighbor, and uh, we are gathered around the kitchen table. We're doing a what do we call these episodes? House guests. Guest. We have a house guest at the um, table. Jesse Sumter's with us this week. Jesse yes. is brother to Toby Sumter, who on Cross Politic, mm-hmm. and uh, you've been on Cross Politic a bunch of times. So, people oh, know one you. time. That's what I meant. <laughs> You're tied. You've both been on the same number of times. <laughs> Me and Jesse have been on the same number of times. That ought to make Woo-hoo, you feel we, good. <laughs> that seems... Yeah, the people they don't like, they have them back on regularly. So <laughs> they must they must like us or something like that. I don't know. Maybe not. Is that what it is? Yeah. We're not controversial enough, I think, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. That's probably what it is. Yeah. yeah. I sort of understand that. If we were a little more, if we were a little more out of line with them theolo- theologically, maybe they would... Maybe they would have us on. Uh, so Jesse is going to talk to us about about school. I'm so excited. And here's the thing. There was going to be an elders meeting at our church about like school and education related yeah, stuff on Sunday. True. And it got postponed till next why. Sunday. And I was like, oh. Oh, wow. That means God is screwing up the plans at the church. <laughs> Maybe we'll have something to say in on order, Sunday. Yeah, in order for us to be able to talk to Jesse first. Um, so Great, good. Yeah, I, I want to I give you as much uh, chance to talk as we can. Uh, we, we have a uh, crisis, would you say, in, uh, in America, in our education system. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, both a crisis and an opportunity uh, I think there's a lot that's being torn down and, and in the midst of, you know, problems and things being torn down, it's, it's a great time to build as well. So um, I think there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, but yeah, the crisis, I mean, uh, I assume you're, you're referencing, I mean, in public education, government schools and so on, you've got problems with curriculum, you've got problems with uh, social issues, political issues, gender, sexuality, things like that, right? Uh, and then you have the government involved, right? That's another problem. Uh, and then and then you've got parents who are not involved, right? Who are abdicating their roles. And so uh, that that is a whirlwind of disaster right there um, that's wrecking havoc across our country. So uh, the, the solution, um, I believe, is that we just need more... Uh, religion specifically, we need more. We, we need more Christ uh, in uh, the education. God, God, Jesus, Bible. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. God, Jesus, Bible. And it, it, as cliche as that sounds in certain circles, um, and as extreme as it sounds, since joining the pad, the uh, the Fight Laugh Feast Network, joining the, the the network here, we we talk about stuff like this, and we're you hear this all the time on this network. Hey, we just need more. We just need more Jesus. And everyone goes, by golly, we sure do. Let's get an amen to that. But this is kind of a foreign language to people, even in 
most churches when you say, yeah, there needs to be more religion in education. There needs to be more Christianity in the edu- in education. There's a lot of people, even in the Christian church, who will say, ooh, uh, separation of church and state, um, and we're not supposed to jam our religion down down unbelievers' throats. We're supposed to win them with love and uh, and not coercion. So what do we what do we say to that? Yeah, well, uh, I mean that's that's where the question of you know this public school system or government school should it should the government even be in the education business? And I would say no uh, because of these questions, right? That um, because one they're going to they, by default they have to water it down. So you know there's there were um, educators back 150 years ago when government education in America was getting going, and those Christian educators saw right away the game that was being played. And at that point, the government schools had like catechism in their schools, right? So you could actually go and get like a decent Trinitarian catechism at your school. And people were like, you know, now that sounds like crazy. It's like, what? They had catechism? Like we talk about, you know, maybe back in the 50s or 60s, people wanted, hey, we wanted prayer in schools. And and that got uh, shut down uh, after that. But um, so, but that was always the trajectory. It was always watering it down so that you could always appeal to everybody, right? That's what you have to do. If everyone's going to be educated by the government, then you have to water it down to the lowest common denominator, which is often what the government does. Um, and so really what we need is we want freedom to educate our children how we want to as Christians. And and uh, we want to do that in obedience to God's word. That's what God's word says in, in um, Ephesians. It says that the father should uh, bring their children up in the education and nurture of the Lord. That word there, uh, nurture education, is, is a uh, paideia is the Greek word there. And it's this whole uh, fully uh, life emerging, immersion, culturation of the child. And that's what the scripture says. We got we have to enculturate the child in scripture, in God's word. And you can't do that in government school. And that's that was always the trajectory that way. So we need Christian schools. We need home schools. We need Christian parents educating their own children. Right. So it, it is, um, again, it's a, it's a bit of a foreign language, and there are some people who are actually involved in the public school system. There are teachers and administrators and people who volunteer. There, there are a lot of Christian people involved in public school education. And so when you start talking about doing uh, – homeschooling or some some alternative to public school they get a little bit uh offended sometimes and so do you have a a approach you have a word for those people yeah well uh what is it something like you know the truth will set you free but first it'll make you angry (laughs) you know something like that but no uh but i i mean i recognize so i have uh an uncle aunt who were in uh, the public school system as teachers for a very long time and i think there is a you know recognizing okay here's the principle uh that we need to be educating our children um in the fear and admission of the lord and following what the bible says but then how do we apply that And, and depending on uh, what you're doing. I could see, again, uh, an adult who's teaching in the public school system, um, that actually being a, a key tactic in trying to reach maybe Christian kids who are there and shouldn't be necessarily, but or and or trying to slow down the corruption that's happening in the school system. Um, that could be a tactic there. But then with, with children, uh, like one of the common 
um, arguments or defenses for children, you know, Christian children being in the public school system is, oh, they're, they are missionaries, right? They are light and salt to these dark places. Okay. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe. But, but the thing that's important to recognize though, is that these children are not prepared for that, right? You don't, you don't send children over to China to be missionaries. Oh, you know, they're salt and light. They're five-year-olds, you know, they can, you know, yeah. uh, no, we don't do that. In and so we always, you know, have to train and prepare. So that means that you, by definition, if they are missionaries, and I think they can and should be in some level, they need to be trained. And that means they need to be trained in Christian education first. And that usually takes a good 12, 15 years, if not more, uh, which means having some sort of K through 12 system of Christian education first before they become missionaries. Right. And when, and when they become missionaries, you're suggesting that they become missionaries at the uh, university level, like they're right yeah Higher yeah i mean at that at that level it's a possibility i mean even there uh i mean the the uh, turnover rate i mean the conversion rate is pretty wild by conversion rate i mean falling away from the christian faith mm -hmm. is uh pretty intense like it's um i forget what the number is it's like um you know only like 20 or 30 percent of christian kids who go to a secular university actually turn out still christian at the end right they get i mean they're just they're getting wasted by the right. secular education that you get at, at universities. Now, I think you can manage it, but I think you have to have a good, strong family, get strong church behind you, good, strong community, even of friends at the at the school, at the college, university level. Um, so even there, I'd say, no, actually, you still need, because I mean, at the college level, you're making huge life decisions. Um, you're, you're talking about finances, you're talking about, you know, should I go into debt or not? Um, you know, when do I get married? Who should I marry? All these sort of like, these are key pivotal questions that decide really where you're going with the rest of your life. And so uh, there, I, th I think it's, again, Christian community, Christian education is really important. Right. Hmm. Okay, let's get down to business. How do we start a school? <laughs> really? I could have asked that question. You're going to wait? We're going to wait for that one? I felt like that was like the big one. <laughs> well, it is the big one. Um, so, yeah. So if you're, if you're, feeling like you need to uh you need to start a school what are the what are the things that that we can do to get that started yeah so i think to to start you got to start with um knowing what you're aiming for so you need to have a vision for the school so if you're doing christian education you need to make sure you understand what that is um, and that's what christians should be doing um, and understanding the necessity of that and then if you're doing classical education with that so classical christian education then you need to know what classical education is um and so that's that's where you gotta start there and then i mean there's really practical things like do you have other people that are interested as well um i usually recommend you know uh, two or three other families to get going like sort of founding families if it's just one family is trying to do it uh, i don't think it's going to go right you need to have a couple of other families involved and i, I recommend usually it takes about a year or so of just talking and reading and uh, discussing things amongst yourselves first the parents first, you know, talking through just various questions, uh, you know, really practical stuff, and and also then some maybe philosophical stuff as well. Uh, again, what is education? What's our vision for the school? That sort of thing. So that, that's where I'd start then, and then like having um, podcasts with that. Jeff with Jesse Sumter, would that be a good place to start? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to learn, right? Yeah, yeah, that would work. So uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Or, or you can take a class. I'm, I'm offering a class right now online with the uh, the Fight Life Feast Network, Ding. and uh, we're talking through the, these questions as well. Mm -hmm flfnetwork.com. Um, so one of the things that um, I was just talking with my sister-in-law about last night, because there was a uh, meeting for homeschool parents. Um, there's a co-op that meets twice a month here in our area. And so we're going to participate with that. 
Um, and while we were on our way there, I haven't even told you this yet, dad. Um, while we were on our way there, we were kind of discussing this whole, what would a Christian school look like apart from what we're already doing with homeschooling our kids and how would it, you know, what are the pros and the cons? And one of the things that I said to her yesterday that made even my sister-in-law who is sold on the homeschooling thing, made even her kind of go, wait, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> she, I said it would be better for pe- for kids to leave the public school system and not do any school at all <laughs> than to continue in public school. Ooh. That's a, yeah. The way that it that's currently a good one. That's, is. That's a good one. A good zinger right there. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, wait, wait, wait. Well, what about the kids whose parents aren't involved? Or what about the kids who maybe they do have that, you know, Christian-minded public school teacher who's trying to take them under their wing. And I said, I get what you're saying. And I, you know, I understand that we're trying to look for the exceptions here, but I genuinely think it would be better for most people to kind of deconstruct and unplug from the public school system first. And then maybe we can take a step toward how do we work together to build, you know, the Christian version. Um, So, I mean, am I off base? Because again, my sister-in-law was really a little freaked out. <laughs> well, I think that, that that's where, uh, I mean, our, our edu- this is this is sort of the, the paradoxical problem we have here. Our education system is terrible and they've been very successful at it. And so we don't know our own history, right? We're, we don't know education and how it was. And we've been, again, basically indoctrinated by our uh, public school system. And we don't know, you know, like how bad it really is. And it really is bad. Um, and, it, and so, I mean, I, I was even talking with a family couple weeks ago who was a part of a, a public school system for a while and they're a good Christian family and so on. And they were trying to work there and they were, they were plugged in and, and all that. And, and I was talking with the dad and he was, and it was just hearing his story was like, he was swimming against the stream. Like it was so terrible. Like, I mean, even like if you're there, you're doing good work, you're trying to drag people along with you. And then you're in this place where you're not really in the authority position, right? You have the administrators and the teachers who are actually the authorities in the school and they're going, I mean, even if some of them are in the, you know, good place, they're often going a totally different direction. Like there's no concept of getting a Christian education there of, you know, knowing God's word, studying God's word, loving God's word. Um, there's nothing like that. And so you're, you're having to push so hard against it that it's, it's almost like, uh, I mean, you're just getting drowned in this secular education system and you just can't fight that way. And, th- and then he talked about how he got out of that and got connected with other Christian families and got in classical Christian education. And it was like this breath of fresh air where it was like, oh, look, all these other people are going the right way with me, right? Oh, this is, we can actually do something. We can actually go somewhere. We actually can build something that actually will last and thrive. Uh, and that was just, uh, I think, a wonderful testimony of that, that, uh, I think that's what you'll find. Even if you have a, a decent school you're working with, a lot of times, again, the the entangling of the government in the school, just uh, it's going to hinder you and bind you in certain ways that you just can't really pursue what you need to. Right. Even if you have the best of intentions, even if you have uh, a solid uh, Christian underpinning yourself, you just can't work within that system to get done because it's a different system than... Uh, than what you are trying to use. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a whole different system. Yeah, well, and, and you're explicitly denied from talking about God in the classroom, right? right? I mean, you, like, like which, which as a teacher, I'm offended by that because uh, every time I'm teaching something, whether it's history or languages or, or math or science, right? I mean, being able to say, 
isn't God great in how he made this? Or isn't this wonderfully reflective of who God is? Like to not say that is to suggest that God is not important in education or in any of these subjects, which is a lie. Like that's just a fundamental lie. And I can't do that as a teacher. I can't lie, right? The first foundation of all good teaching is teaching on the truth, right? I have to tell the truth. And if I can't tell the truth there, then I'm lying and I can't live a lie. That's not good teaching, right? Um, and so that, that already um, is fundamentally... Uh, at odds with the government public school system. Right. Yeah, I just don't think people really think about that. Some do, but I think a lot of people who are even involved <laughs> in that system are kind of taken aback by that. And I'm thinking of Grandma Turbo, my grandma, his mom. My beloved mother. Okay. Um, we have this conversation quite a bit. She's retired from public school um, yeah. and has been for a while. So it, I think that probably in the last 15 to 20 years, is it's been an even bigger and more obvious nosedive probably than, you know, decades before. And I yeah. think she's just really having a hard time wrapping her mind around it. But we talked about this last week. Mm -hmm. And I, I said just what you just said, Jesse. I said, well, Grandma, you have said yourself that the biggest problem was not being able to bring up God in the classroom and not being able to yeah. provide the why behind all of these theories. Um, she was a science teacher. And, okay. and I said, you know, there, you know, firsthand, and I'm just kind of going off of what you have told me <laughs> about yeah. how hard your hands are tied and how hard it is to, you know, steer children, steer high school students in the direction that, that you believe they should go when the system itself is preventing you from offering them any sort of explanation, any mention of their purpose, you know, their created uh, yeah. reason for living and le reason for existing. Um, to me, I think it just makes so much sense that we've got these, these mental health issues and suicide rates going up and, you know, kids that, that are not able to figure out what they even want to do, you know, if they even want to stay on this planet. Um, and to me, it, it all goes back to that not being able to give them the whole picture, the full truth of, well, hey, you were here. You're here for a reason. Yeah. So yeah. Because yeah, when denying, denying God, you're denying the foundation of education, but then you're also denying the end goal of education, which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I, uh, I've, um, I've uh, read various sources on education. I was reading um, R.C. Sproul at one point, or I think it was actually a lecture um, that was recorded or whatever five, eight, 10 years ago. And he was talking about his own education experience with his children. And they went to a, a public school with their kids when they were like in, I don't know, first or second grade or whatever. And they went to this presentation by this, this uh, faculty uh, member at the school there, the teacher there, I guess, or admin or something. And this was probably back, I guess, maybe in the the eighties or nineties. But anyways, he tells a story where they get through this whole presentation about the school and everything. And then R.C. Sproul, of course, he's a great thinker and a uh, thoughtful biblical man. He just, you know, raises his hand and asks the guy, he says, you know, so what's the purpose? Like, why are we doing this? And he said, the guy was wonderfully honest. He said, I don't know. <laughs> right? You know, oh, and, wow. and R.C. Sproul was like, well, I'm thankful that he at least said that. Cause a lot of times people like uh, they'll, they'll try and lie to you in some way. They'll be like, you know, well, it's because of this or whatever. And, and at, uh, the at most schools offer like jobs. Oh, it's to get a job. You know, like that's that's all we can think of. Uh, I guess to get a job. I don't know. Like, what? Where else are we here to work? And it's like that's a really you know Marxist idea that we're all just workers and you know and and just cogs in a machine. Like what? And but that's the that's the evolutionary materialistic Darwinistic worldview right. that is all around us. That's all they can say. They you know and again notice how because God has been banished from the education system in the public school system there is no reason why we're doing this. And so, yeah, you can see, you understand why um, kids are depressed and suicidal and so on and so forth. Yeah, that is, that's funny 
that you would uh, mention that because I remember being in, I believe, junior high. I think it was in eighth or ninth grade. And we went to a, hear a speaker. And he was uh, standing. I don't remember who it was, but I remember him standing up and he was talking to all these kids. All of and There was a thousand of them in the auditorium. And he was telling a story about a kid in college. And again, I, I was young enough that I college, I wasn't even really sure what that meant, but I understood that they were like students. And so the, uh, the, the professor was explaining to this college class that this is, this is why we have to study, uh, we, we study science because it's important. And the kid goes, why? <laughs> and the kid he goes, why? And the professor said, well, so that you so that you will learn how the world works, you know, why? And basically every explanation, the, the kid would just counter with why, what's it for? And this was back in the 80s, you know, yeah. and, and so that yeah. what the speaker was pointing out is that without without God to answer that why, then everything is just everything is just this drain you, you i mean you can you can answer the question for the here and now you can find purpose in meeting today if you you know fabricate it yourself uh but, yeah, but yeah. it's it's whirling around the drain and it's not going anywhere and yeah. I, again i didn't understand the profound nature of what he was saying because i was just a kid but i remember it now and it's like that's what he was talking about if, if you just if you ask why 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 well you can go get a job why? Well, because then you'll make money. Why? Well, you might make a lot of money. Well, why? Well, then you can buy stuff. Well, why? And and it's like, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and then and then the the worldview that we have now is this existentialist worldview. You talk about it as sort of fabricating your own meaning. You have to make your own meaning. Then, which like you know, in the secular mindset, they're like, "Ooh, isn't this cool? We get to make our own meaning." But then, what's wild, and this is why we, why our education system is going down the drains right now, is because if you try and make your own meaning, then there is no way to communicate with other people, right? You can't. If I'm going to make up my own language of whatever gobbledygook, you know, blah 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 blah, right? No, nobody's going to understand what I'm saying. Like even at that level, I can't make my own meaning up. And we're trying to do that with the transgender stuff or with our own pronouns. It's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Like we are literally seeing the destruction of all all communication and all society with that sort of thing um and because the real the real answer is that truth has to be discovered because god placed it there and it comes from him ultimately that's the only way we can have connection between subjects between ideas and how people can actually get connected to each other and actually live in right community with each other right okay so uh mandy said something the other day when we were talking about how to get a school started and yeah, she's she's pretty smart. I got to give her that. I was homeschooled, um, and then I oh yeah, and then I graduated from a Christian college where I met my husband. So. Right, so I could nice. Yeah, I, I was homeschooled also, so I go homeschool. There we go. Um, but she said something that I think I think is correct, and I want to get your take on it. But she says the place to start is um, is with the philosophy of why we're doing what we're doing. I was going to ask something like that too. I was going to ask like percentage wise, there's a fly on my microphone. Watch me while I fly it away. Mm-hmm. Um, like percentage wise, how much would you say is philosophical and getting people on the same page, you know, with the vision and how much is like the details of, we need a building, we need, we need financing, we need, we need teachers, desks. you know, all of yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, what is, isn't there like a Yogi Berra? quote in here somewhere we can throw out where it's like you know the game is 
what is it like a hundred percent mental and 5% actually doing it or something like that. You know, <laughs> that's, that's something like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the that sounds actually. like something Yogi Berra would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so um, yeah, I, I think it's a combination of both where you have to have the philosophy, the reason why you're doing this, uh, you know, God's word out in front of you. Um, and then again, getting into classical education, then knowing what that is. And we can talk more about that if you'd like to, but then, um, and then get, yeah, getting really practical, like what's the structure of the school? I mean, that's where you start with your, your founding families. Um, and then I, again, I'd say about a year or so of them talking together. And then you want to network with other families. You know, you want to get another, I don't know, 10 or 15 who are um, on the same board, you know, same, same page with you on board with what you're doing, that sort of thing. I mean, one of the questions that I actually bring up with uh, working through this summer course that I'm doing right now is, is just the, the simple question of, you know, is God in this work? Right. Because sometimes we see a need and we're like, oh, I should go build a school. But seeing the need isn't always God gifting you with the actually doing that project. I mean, maybe he is. A lot of times that's how it works, but not always. And like one of the ways you can test is the spirit in this work and is he going to bless it is are other people interested in this as well? Are there other families that want to get on board and be part of the founding of it? And then are there other families who want to you know send their kids to this school and who want to support it? And then you're looking for, you know, donors to help. Uh, with fund it in different ways and networking that way. And that, that's just, again, confirmation that this is actually something that uh, you've been called to do. Um, and then it, yeah, and then it gets real practical. Like, you know, do you have a place to meet and you usually start with renting, right? That you got, you know, you're only like whatever, 20 students, you've got two teachers, three teachers, you got maybe a principal and that's it. And you got to meet in a little building and, you know, you maybe have only two or three grades or whatever, and away you go. Um, but it, it starts small. Um, you know, that's the, the great line, right? Don't, um, you know, don't look down upon, you know, small beginnings, right? Because everything starts small, everything has to be a seed, and then it grows to a bigger tree, of course. Um, but yeah, those really practical questions you get into. And, and then, I mean, that's why you take that year to kind of work through things and consider, okay, you know, how do you hire teachers? Do you do, you know, how do you grade assignments? Like, I mean, there's so many questions to work through. I mean, you could, right. you could cover all sorts of things, right? Of course. Yeah. So um, talk a little bit about the differences between like a Christian education and a classical one, um, and and maybe maybe kind of bring in a little bit too, like because one of my concerns is that people who have not been homeschooling or have never had anything to do with Christian education before are going to fall into the trap of trying to duplicate the public system in a church somewhere, you know, and and just yeah. kind of take all of those assumptions with them to this new school that they're trying to build. And so maybe explain like, what are some of those differences and, you know, what sets them apart from um, public education? Yeah. And it's, it's uh, that, that question corresponds really well to one of the laws of teaching is that you, you often teach how you've been taught. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so, which is kind of like, this is part of this weird thing. We're trying to recover classical education, good, solid Christian education and often we haven't had it ourselves or we've only had little pieces here and there. And it's like, well, how can I give something to somebody I don't have myself? Like, how does that work? And, um, but yeah, this, that's where you gotta, you gotta look at it and go, okay, well, you know, what is good solid Christian education? And it's not just public schools with a Bible class, right? Right. We actually have to rethink the whole system in many ways. Now, not, not totally. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. Um, so I use the word classical, we can talk about that. Um, but you know, it's, um, a lot of the, the classes will be the same. You know, you'll have a math class, you'll have a writing class, you'll have a science class and all these things. But I mean, the wonderful anchor to that all again is that you can um, connect everything together because ultimately it points to Jesus, right? You're pointing back to God and how he's made the world. And so that's, that's the thing that actually pushes against the modern system. The modern system is so compartmentalized that, oh, you know, you study math over here and then you go to another, you know, next door and you study science over here and you go next door and you study literature over here. And 
and, and they're so um, broken out like that that nobody's ever asking, well, how do they interact with each other? Like, what was what was happening? You know, when this mathematician was alive, what was happening in history? What was happening in literature at this time? They actually do connect, and the reason they they connect is because of God, right? Um, I think it's in Colossians it says that uh, in Jesus everything holds together, so He's the center of everything, and if He's the center of everything, then everything can connect in some weird, strange way, right? You could have a, you know, peanut butter jelly sandwich and, you know, the, the, um, you know, the Wright brothers with flight, right? There's a connection there somewhere between these things and, you know, we can find them all because uh, Jesus connects it all. Um, so that, that's one uh, key difference then in terms of the philosophy with Christian education. So it's not just public school system with a Bible class, it's, it's connecting subjects. Um, and that's, that's a really, um, a very revolutionary idea compared to where uh, our government schools are, are doing now, what they're doing um, it, to, to even connect things is, um, is really important and a key idea. I was not expecting him to say that. That's a, uh, that's my book. That's what my whole book's about. Connecting things. That's what that's in, in the, the revelation for me in comedy is exactly what you said is that everything okay. is connected. Everything, yeah. everything is connected. And it, it didn't, I hadn't actually articulated the next obvious step, which is, of course, it's all connected because it all came from God. But, yeah, but yeah, I made the observation years ago that you can get any any two ideas that you pull up at random are connected to each other in some manner, um, and it's just a matter of filling in those steps, and that's how you that's how you create punchlines. Um, yeah, is you yeah. you find the connected ideas, but a classical education is um i've heard that term thrown around and i mm -hmm. i have an understanding of what it means but what is a classical education like like in a in a paragraph can you do it in a paragraph or <laughs> yeah well or just a quick uh, quick definition basically yeah, classical education is there's two elements to it it's method and content so it's method and content so it's teaching in a certain method a certain content and it's that content in, in primary in primarily coming from or focusing in on western civilization um and so i can de define those quickly here um in terms of method we're borrowing primarily from uh, dorothy sayers she wrote an essay called the lost tools of learning where she basically says okay kids as they grow up they kind of work through approximately three stages or so and she maps that those stages actually onto what's called the trivium that's the grammar logic and rhetoric um, and basically saying that, you know, at the grammar level, kids like to um, sing and chant and memorize. Um, and we've seen that, you know, seven, eight year olds, you know, my daughter, um, she's eight, she loves singing, she loves, you know, catechism, you know, why, you know, yes, no, you know, questions back and forth, that sort of thing. Um, and, and they're just learning the basics of the world, right? And then you move into the logic stage. And there, that's like the middle school level. That's where their students are, you know, wanting to argue with each other and say, you know, why does it work that way? How does it connect? How does it relate to each other? That sort of thing. And they're learning logic, uh, learning how to reason and think clearly. And then you have the third stage, the, the rhetoric stage, uh, the high school level, where they're, the student is now more aware of himself and how he looks and appearances, and he wants to do it well in a, a, a thoughtful, creative way. And that's where you're studying rhetoric then, how to speak well, how to speak clearly, how to be persuasive that sort of thing. So that's the trivium. That's the, that's then the method there. And then you have content because, and even there you get a little of the content, uh, grammar, you're actually talking about languages, um, the logic, you're actually learning the, the subject of logic, which is actually something that's been lost in a lot of government school systems, right? Logic, like how to think that's, that's actually, um, somebody's made the comment that if, uh, one of the signs that our country has repented is that they'll start studying logic, 
right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that's a, a great, you know, because we've lost our minds and how to think and actually, you know, we'll actually study logic. And then, uh, and then at the high school level, you're learning rhetoric and and those even those subjects, right? That's that harkens back to this classical education model. Then, um, and then so content. Then those are some of the classes you teach. You know, grammar, so language like Latin. Uh, you're studying logic, you're studying rhetoric, and then you're studying. Um, history and literature, and that all is going back to the ancient world, both uh, biblical as well as Greco-Roman, um, you know, Near Eastern, and then you're you're kind of working your way through Europe um, into England and ultimately to America, because that's sort of the flow of Western history then. But, um, and the reason you're doing that is that it's part of this, um, this conversation, right? There's a great conversation that's going on right now another way to describe basically what's been happening, you know, we're in, we're in the year 2021, but there's all these other people who've been talking about education, have been talking about history, have been talking about literature for so long that in order to really understand what's going on today, you have to know what's come before, right? And the classic example is like, you go to a dinner party and you walk up to a circle of friends and, and they're, you know, chatting and chiming in. And one of them says something silly, like, you know, pass me the banana. And everyone laughs, oh, ha, 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 you know, right. And, and you're like there and you're like, uh, I don't get this. Why is this funny? You know? And it's right. like, well, you missed the conversation that happened last two hours ago, right. Where past the banana was code for something and you missed it. Like, you don't know what it means. And right. so like that, and that's what we're trying to recover with this Western civilization, with Western cultures, that there's been this story that's been going on that we need to catch up on so that we can actually understand the significance of what's happening. Why, you know, people say certain things or why people, you know, you talk about Plato and Socrates and Aristotle, right? Like why, why do people mention these names? Why are they important? Um, and that sort of thing. So we're trying to catch up on the conversation. So right. one of my favorite examples of of helping another person catch up, like you're talking about now, was um, probably two or three years ago when we were talking to atheists on my dad's blog. And um, they're all very, you know, secular humanist uh physical science oriented, you know, they're obsessed with mm -hmm, sure. cellular biology and all of these things. And so they're constantly asking for, you know, peer reviewed articles of such and such or here, read this, you know, read this article that we've shared, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that, that we finally might've ended our era with the atheists. I think they stopped coming around shortly after I pulled up a video that somebody else had created. I wish I had created it, but I hadn't. It was a Christian philosopher who basically showed the history of science and how the founding fathers of the scientific method itself were primarily philosophers moving into, you know, studiers of stars and studiers of plants and things like that, students. Um, and, and the whole video just basically traces their quotes you know, about God and the universe mm -hmm. and how they came up with these, the original hypotheses were based on, well, if God created us and if he put us here for a reason, then, you know, we ought to be able to study the things that he's given us here and learn more about him. And I'll never forget saying to one of the atheists, basically every single thing that you give me that science has proven or that you, you know, find compelling is just reinforcing and re confirming the original hypothesis hypothesis that there is a creator God who has given us a universe we can study. And they just lost it. They were not impressed, not happy, but right. I was impressed. I thought the video was helpful. I am, I am <laughs> much more scientific than yeah. you are, yeah. Mr. Materialist. I literally atheist. said, yeah. I agree with anything you give me that has been confirmed through, you know, rigorous questioning and right. rigorous studying, um, you yeah. know, I agree. I, I am assuming that what you're telling me is true. And I'm just saying it all goes back to, you know, 
um, the original scientists, C- Copernicus and Galileo and all of that, you know, you're just proving them right. There was, there is a creator and he has given us a very logical <laughs> ordered universe. That is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think has been lost as you were describing from earlier, much earlier educational systems where they did, even in a public school, they did talk about creators and, and, and they did talk about the, the scripture and they talked about mm-hmm. philosophy and somewhere along the line um, there's this division that took place to where science uh, and it's science versus religion. And yeah. when we started to drive the atheists away and they quit coming around was when we basically reclaimed science and we said, well, you know, God invented science. So any, mm-hmm. any sort of science that you want to throw at me, I'm fine with, you know, you can throw, throw it all at me because it all belongs to God. You're not, science is never going to, to poke a hole in the theory of, of God. And that was, that was, they didn't really have a good way to, to rebut that. Um, I'd never thought about it. It didn't, it had never been brought up in the course of any of their educations. And some of them had, you know, master's degrees from various universities. Right. They and, had never even thought about it. And that was, that yeah. was what was striking to me was that these are, these are learned, well-educated, whatever that means. They're well-educated <laughs> but they But they don't have any depth other than, than what they have been told. They've been taught to regurgitate a philosophy, um, and they, they think that they're speaking, you know, wisdom, but they, they're just not because they're, they don't have a, it, it's not grounded. Uh, in yeah. The truth. Yeah. Because ultimately, yeah, if you don't have a foundation for your education and research, then you're always, you're always at the surface somewhere, right? You're always still floating on the surface level. And you can't ever, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, you go all sorts of places with education right now. I mean, we're in a really exciting time to be educators. Um, I don't know if you guys follow at all, like what Google's doing and Facebook is doing in terms of, you know, they're trying to uh, achieve what they call the singularity, basically trying to create artificial intelligence. Yeah. Uh, right. Which, you know, sounds like right out of Star Trek. You're like, guys, you know, last time I checked, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like, like well, when they talk about this and you're like, um, haven't you seen the matrix? You know, yeah. you build the machines and then they take you over. Like, why are you trying to do this? Like, you know, they're, they're, they're like, no, 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 this time it's not going to go that way. This right. time we'll still be in charge. Right. Yeah. I've seen that movie also, <laughs> you know, right. You know, um, but, but they're, they're, um, they're trying to achieve this and they're, they're working at this, but what's wild is that they are missing the key component, right? They're trying to create a human mind. Like that's their goal is to create a human mind. Right. And then when you say that, you go, well, actually the human mind is, is different than the brain, right? We have brains and they're, and they're basically building brains, but they can't ever build a human mind because the mind is both physical and spiritual, right? The mind is a part of our, our spirit, our soul that God has given us, right? And so it's, it, they're never going to reach that. There's always the ceiling that's there and they're never going to be able to create uh, actual full conscious being of some sort. That's just not going to happen. Now they'll, they'll achieve things that imitate it like i mean you can see like all sorts of stuff you know you know whatever alexa talking to us or whatever and right. you know that sort of thing and, and that's going to happen where it looks like she's responding to us in some way and for you know if we're not careful we'll get sucked into it going, oh look it's it's real ai and it's no it's not it's it's highly manipulated computer programming that's all we're talking about here right and ultimately there's somebody behind it who's controlling it right that's the thing you got to see right computers right. Are, are fast but that's it they're not smart they're just fast yeah. and yeah I've had that argument with, uh, with your brother 
is one of the ones uh, <laughs> Don't blame him convinced on me. that artificial intelligence is going to be here someday. He's, he's swallowed all the Elon Musk, uh, propaganda, you know, the, the, eventually artificial yeah. intelligence is going to be here and he's worried about it because he thinks it's going to, and I said, I said the same thing. I said, no. Well, and I, I, I'm still worried though. Right. So it's not, I don't think it's removed the worry. It's just what it is is so, I mean, that's where you have to read the abolition of man. So speaking of like education books and so on, the abolition of man is Lewis basically talking through the education system back hundred years ago or so, maybe 80 years ago, I guess. Um, but he basically talks about that where what man is trying to achieve right now is control of nature. And what that means is it means by controlling nature, they mean some men controlling other men, right? And the way that's going to happen is through machines. So you'll have machines who are controlling people. Here we are, Google, Facebook, right? Controlling people in different ways. And there's certain people behind them, Zuckerberg and Bezos and others, um, who are behind them who are manipulating us in different ways, right? That, and so we're, we're all part of this big science experiment right now. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I'm concerned about that. Um, now, as a Christian, though, I ultimately know that God's in control and, and they don't really have control over it even if they do, if they think they do, right? Um, I think it's like the Tower of Babel, right? They're building something and God is just going to, he's giving them time to do that. And I think ultimately it's, it's um, he's building it so he can hand it over to Christians is basically what he's doing, you know, oh, <laughs> which is a common be, reoccurrence through history. That'd be nice. You should it? tell Tim, you should tell my brother and yeah. maybe that'll make him feel a little better. Maybe that'll get him on board with going to church more often. <laughs> but, uh, but getting, getting to that place though, where it actually gets in, you know, comes to Christians, um, I think that takes time though. So, I mean, that's, that's where I'm, you know, there is concern there that, um, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think we live under a techocracy right now. Right. I mean, what happened with, with president Trump getting kicked off of Twitter and Facebook? I mean, like, that's crazy. The sitting president can't be on social media. Like, right. What? <laughs> unbelievable. Well, and I think th that I think is different from at least from my concept of what artificial intelligence is. And I don't want to go off into the weeds too far, but yeah, no, that's fine. No worries. Yeah. I'll, I'll, but but I'll, it does. I actually do we, want to go off into the weeds, but I'm not going we, to. We can do, I mean, this is the classical education. Actually, <laughs> is like so. One of the, uh, you know, one of the educators always, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, that to to go off into the weeds is the point. You know, to go off in the rabbit trails that is the point, right? Because everything connects, yeah. right? This all connects. This is all part of education, right? No, because see. how we educate. Again, this is a exciting time to be an educator because I think the there's a huge bubble in terms of like the college level. I mean, when we saw what, what happened with Zoom last year, where everyone was like doing Zoom online. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone was realizing you know, this is what education is like, you know, like, well, this is crazy. Like, and, and yeah. what universities are doing and then you're charging like university level is charging crazy, insane amount of money to offer like little piddly blobs of nothing. Right. It's like, what, what am I doing this for? And, um, and so I think, I think people are waking up, uh, particularly Christians are waking up and saying, Hey guys, we can actually do this better. And, um, there's a, there's a saying that's out there that I like to bash. It's, um, uh, necessity <laughs> necessity is the mother of, of invention. Uh -huh. And I think that's baloney. I don't think necessity is the mother of anything. I think it's creative, thoughtful, smart Christians who are creating things that create inventions, right? They actually create things, right? That, and that's, that's from, uh, I think ultimately going back to the gospel, when God makes people free, gives them uh, free, clean hearts, they want to build and they want to honor him and what they're doing. And then they, they think in creative ways. And then they go out and they make things and they build things. And they're like, hey, let's do this. I mean, we actually see that with, you mentioned Elon Musk earlier, right? I mean, he's not a Christian. Um, from what I understand him, he's, he's godless pagan. But uh, he's a thoughtful, creative guy, right? And he's right. creating stuff. Like he was like, hey, I think we can make reusable rockets. And everyone laughed at him. Like, no way, you can't do it. And he's like, no, let's do it. And he did it, right? I mean, like, and it wasn't necessity. We didn't need it, right? It wasn't like anybody going, you know what we really need right now? We need reusable rockets. You know, that's what I would need. You know, if I was going somewhere, I want 
reusable. <laughs> and he was like, we're going to do it. And he, it wasn't the need. It was uh, a desire. Right? He was like, oh, this is something that I want to build. I want to be creative. And that, that just reflects God's image in him. Right. And there's all sorts of other examples of that as well. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about parents as educators, because I know that's a big, big part of the philosophy that goes behind, you know, making sure that you're raising your children up in the admonition of the Lord. Um, but I do, I think that you're correct that people are starting to wake up, but I'm also concerned that there are still people who are very resistant, very angry to the truth. And in that phase where they're tempted to believe this is like right wing quack conspiracy theories that are causing us to panic, you know, like the red scare or whatever. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of anti-Trumpism that gets, that gets ladled on the top of genuinely uh noble ideas where you've got people who are yeah. you know are saying this would be a good thing to do and they go oh that sounds like a you sound like a right-wing trump supporter and so <laughs> yeah. it's like whoops yeah, well you know if, if donald trump the worst thing that could ever happen to the truth is to have donald trump speak it yeah because yeah. When <laughs> donald trump speaks truth then everybody dismisses it because trump said it right so he said yeah. something about crt you know, being in the workplace and how it has no business, you know, being taught yep. in workplace and, and in public schools. And now I think Tennessee at least has banned, supposedly theoretically banned the teaching of CRT. But I do, I'm curious, how would you recommend going about having these conversations with people who don't see what's actually happening yet? And they're worried that, you know, this is just conspiracy theory or that, you know, people who talk about pulling your kids out of government schools and educating them yourself. That's something that like freaks and weirdos do. Right, we're overreacting. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, um, and those of us who already are doing it, homeschooling or Christian education somewhere, you know, schools, you know, uh, being called freaks and weirdos is just come part of the <laughs> part of the territory, it. right? I mean, well, it actually, if you if you know your history, so, yeah. what's that? I said we're used to it, but they're not. They they <laughs> I have yet to embrace their freaky weirdo status, and so we're trying to figure out how to smooth yeah. that transition. How to make the medicine go down? It, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, and, and one one way is to is to bring in the history, like knowing our history and uh, history of education, right? Like people who were, uh, you know, that we look back to that we want to imitate and be like. In their own time, they were all considered freaks and weirdos. Like, so join the club, right, is part of it. You know, so you could talk about Augustine of Hippo. You could talk about Martin Luther. You could talk about John Calvin. Uh, you could talk about C.S. Lewis, right? He readily admits, like, people look up to him. And in his day, he was called a dinosaur, right? They were like, oh, man, he's a dinosaur. Like, I mean, he liked the medieval people. And they were like, medieval people? What? They're like, you know, playing with mud all day. Why do you like medieval people? They're like, that's white. crazy. You just listed a bunch of white people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Augustine of Hippo is from Africa, actually. So um, <sighs> I don't know exactly. I mean, if he was white or not, but um, <laughs> even if I did, who cares, right? Get, get back with <laughs> us on that. That's the most important thing about him is what color he was. <laughs> well, they even asked that question, right? Already is like, wait, what? Why is that important? I just listed a bunch of people from history. Like, we don't care what their skin color was. What? Yeah. So, um, racist. Uh, but no, yeah. <laughs> Which podcast did I get invited to? My goodness. <laughs> No, um, but, but um, so so that would be one. But then other a lot of times with these things, a lot of times to convince people, I mean, you can read that, you can give them books, you can give them literature on it, encourage them in it. Of course, you know, have it, have thoughtful conversations with them. You know, again, uh, the case for classical Christian education by Doug Wilson is a great one. Um, uh, the other one is recovering the lost tools of learning, where he just talks through his own education and so on. But the other way of 
of uh, getting through to people is just to say, uh, come and see, right? Uh, which is often the, you know, because we're, we're humans, we're embodied people, we have to see it sometimes for ourselves, actually, like, believe what's going on. Like, wait, you can actually do this? Like, this is possible? I can homeschool at home? Like, I didn't, like, I thought only weirdos do that. Like, how, like, you know, and you have to be like a super rich person or something, a millionaire to be like, be able to send your kids to a school like no way you can afford it and it's like well actually no there's there are ways to afford it you know there's there's churches here that want to support you in that education system and and they want to get you know help you get a, a your kids a, a christian education and they'll they'll help pay for that tuition or um or there's other resources you can you can look to um but yeah i kind of come and see is a great uh way to you know come and look what we're doing this is what we're doing come, come join the party it's not scary don't worry um another great resource also on that is there's a documentary actually that I think it's Canon Press did it, and it's called Geronimo Amen, which is uh, Pastor Wilson said is something like you know when he got into classical Christian education, he said it was this great moment when you have that you know it's it's a really freaky thing you're looking at doing, and the only prayer you can offer is Geronimo Amen, right? You're like, here we go, God, I'm jumping in and hope hope it works. I'm not sure, right? Uh, but anyways, that that documentary, I think you can find most of it on YouTube. Um, or, or check out, I think Canon Press, they've got their app or whatever, but um, you can find it and watch it. And it's just interesting where they go through and they talk with different educators about the experience of classical Christian education. And, and then you see like students, they're, they're interviewing students and talking with them about what it looks like and what these students look like on the other side. And you're like, wow, I mean, these students are polished, thoughtful, articulate, you know, loving God, loving their neighbor. Uh, and they're just, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. And it's like, wow, I, I want my kids to be like that, right? When they grow up and, and it's, it's really encouraging and challenging that way. Um, and so, it, because a lot of times um, as you're doing this education thing, you can always say like, what's bad? Like, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. And that's kind of discouraging. Cause like, well, what should I do then? Come on, tell me, what should I do? And it's like, we'll do this over here. Here you go. Here's the, here's the goal we're looking for. This is what we're aiming at. And it doesn't have to look exactly the same, but um it should look, you know, something like this. And, and this kind of gives you an idea of what it could, it could possibly look like. And, um, this is where we're going. Yeah, that's good because otherwise you're going to default to the education that you had growing up. <laughs> like we already talked right. about. It's, it's really difficult to imagine education as anything other than lines of desks and children, you know, sitting I, and either either getting it or not getting it and and, uh, yeah. and and that's it that it's it's hard to imagine like homeschool yeah that, that i love that that quote about going off in the weeds and having that be the point mm -hmm. i mean some of my favorite teaching moments with my own children have been out on a walk or driving someplace when they say something hilarious from the back seat or you know something like that it's like oh my goodness this is what i would be missing out on if you know, I wasn't investing right. all this well, your, time. And your three-year-old uh, just learned what a how, how you fix a flat tire. He learned the word mechanic yeah. this As week. a result of a... He has used it at least 500 <laughs> times since... I was going to say, yeah, he's a boy. Yeah, there you go, boy. You know, you, yeah. you teach what trains and mechanics and cars. And yeah. it's like... Well, he thought you would have to go to the hospital to get a tire change. Yeah, he and was so like, what? To... He goes, look at that. And I was like, yeah, that's a flat tire. And he was like what happened? And I said, well, I don't know for sure, but it has a hole in it. And he said, I have an idea. Let's put air in it. And I said, well, that's a good idea, but it will probably just come right back out again. You'd have to put a whole new tire on it. And he goes, let's call an ambulance because they have tires at the hospital. And I said, not quite. <laughs> you need a mechanic for that because right. mechanics fix cars and but there are there's a lot of parents who need who who just need to see that like Jesse's yeah. saying you, you come and see that and it's like 
and then you can say to them, what just happened here was a lesson. Right. This was, uh, yeah. This yeah. was class was in session for a few minutes right. here. There was some vocab. There was a little bit of, you know, engineering, I suppose. And then ultimately we scheduled a field trip because I immediately texted my husband and I was like, the next time you go get the tires rotated, it will be a tragedy if you don't take <laughs> Silas with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what the, again, the lie of the education system, particularly with the government being involved, is that, oh, you have to be a professional to do teaching. Right. And it's like, no, now there, there is a place I'm not against professional teachers. I, I'm a professional teacher. Uh, and there are times when you need specialists, particularly at the high school level, college level, you need people who are in those certain disciplines and so on. But um, a lot of that basic, you know, elementary level, you, know, you can cover a lot of that at home. And, and, the, and, the, and I mean, this is, again, what, one of the things that going back to Sayer's essay on the lost tools of learning, she wanted people to realize that there are tools to learn. And then you want to take those tools with you everywhere you go in life, because when are you not learning? Like if you're not learning right. throughout your whole life, then I mean, like what? You know, like there's so many neat, interesting things out there to learn that like there's so much we don't know that it's just fun to learn. And when you have a kid tagging along with you, a three or four year old, and you realize how weird it is. Like we have these weird black rubber tires on our car that yeah. can right. have holes in them. Like that, that is kind of weird and strange. Yeah, wow. Let's, yeah. let's learn. How does that work? You know, or there's this weird explosion that's happening in my car all the time. And as I go forward and you know, here I am listening to the radio and I don't care, you know, but yeah, that's right. kind of weird. It is weird. I remember the, the attitude um, and the buy-in, for lack of a better term, of the parents is super important. And that's the thing that if you have a culture like we have now where we've been advocating or what, what's the word when we're passing on, when we are abdicating, abdicating the, our responsibility to educate the children, we're giving it over to the school right. and we're saying, yeah. I'm sending them to school. It's the school's job to teach them. And generations of that has made it so that the parents themselves don't feel even capable of doing it. Well, I yeah. don't know how to teach kids. Yeah. Um, and I grew up, I grew up privileged because uh, my parents and my grandparents, everybody in my immediate family talked like, whatever you set your mind to do, then you can do it. You have no limits. Um, you have, they didn't talk, it, my my dad didn't go to church. He wasn't a Christian person, but he would. But he was uh, always adamant about being able to. I mean, you've got a brain in your head, and it works great. I mean, you're a, you're a smart guy. You can figure stuff out. You don't have mm -hmm. to. If there's something you don't know, you just learn how to do it. And that's yeah. how I grew up. And so I remember uh, my grandmother was over at our house, and I was probably sixth grade, fifth grade, just a little kid, and she said she asked me the meaning of a word. What does this mean? And I said, I don't know. And I went over to the dictionary and I flopped open the dictionary and my grandmother freaked out. She goes, that is, that is learning. That is what, is, and, and I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? And she, it's, you know, it doesn't matter what you have in your head. It doesn't matter what ideas you have in your head, but if you know how to get the information that you're looking for, if you know yeah. how to learn, then you can do anything. And she, she freaked out. And I, I didn't even know what she was talking about, but, <laughs> but I remember it. it it's, and, yeah. and I, I tried to, I'm trying to pass that on to my kids, trying to, and my kids are passing it on to the grandkids, but being, being uh, aware of your God given ability to learn is, is what we are not teaching kids in public school. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's, and that actually connects to, again, why I'm excited 
for the era in which we live, because if you know how to learn, there's so many great resources out there. I mean, you can YouTube so many things. Like, I mean, talking about car stuff, I mean, I, you know, you, you can Google it and be like, well, how do I fix this? And there are so many people out there and videos you can find. And, you know, I'm putting up a fence actually in my backyard this week, uh, just one part of it. And I was looking up like, well, where, how do I put the posts in the ground and stuff? And there you're like, you look up an article and well, here you go, you put this in. It's like, I mean, and it's like, I don't need a school. I, I mean, I just need to, know how to be able to read, which is a basic <laughs> thing, right? And be able to go Google something, right? I mean, this is again, the right. wonderful resource we have in the internet. It, again, it's a blessing from God in that way. Uh, and I mean, and, and actually, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, you could, you know, YouTube something and you actually get a better education than the public school system, right? Just by YouTubing it. Yeah. yeah. See, this is why I'm excited. And, and dad was saying, you know, I'm so cocky or confident. I don't remember which word you use, but I'm, I've used them both. I'm excited about this because I do think that that's, you know, the bottom line, once you're committed to the goal and once you understand that it's all about that foundational, that belief in God and the creator of our minds and the creator of an ordered universe. And once you realize that is your job to pass on to your kids, well, then the sky's the limit because yeah, we've got the internet and we've got, you know, libraries stuffed full of books. And that part is in my opinion, the easy part. I think that the hard part is, you know, convincing people that they don't need to ask for permission from some government bureaucracy to educate their children. That was another thing I said to my sister-in-law yesterday. She wasn't quite as shocked about that, but I said, you know, we're constantly saying, how, how do I do this? Who should I go to? Who should I see? And who should I ask for permission to do this thing that I want to do? It's like, do it. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. do it. Yeah. Do it. You just yeah. do well, it. Well, and that, that again shows you the the chains that the the government has placed on us, where we're like, you know, oh, I have to I have to figure out, you know, which expert to talk to about this, and it's right. actually, well, no. Again, it goes back to the gospel. If you've been made free, then you will. You're free then to do all sorts of things, and you're free to actually educate. And I think that's the only way you can actually have a truly free education is one by people who've been made free by Jesus. Um, but yeah, then you don't have to ask permission. Like there's like, why are you asking permission? What are you talking about? This is a free country, right? Or at least it used to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it still is, I think, technically. But you, you raised an, another good point, and both of you did, when you were talking about experts. Which expert do I consult? And um, that's something that has personally been asked of me for decades ever the whole time i've been a performer i've been a comedian people will come up and ask me where did you go to school who taught you how to be a stand-up who taught you how to do comedy and it's like nobody taught me i mean not not like that i didn't take a formal class and how to do it but my education has been you know my my entire life and this is how it how it comes out but we've got this this fixation on on experts and and there's we got to find the source the correct source that's going to give us the right information and that's why the atheists are always asking for you know cite your sources cite your experts is this a, is this an expert in archaeology is this an expert in biology is this an expert in psychology you it's like even, no you can even give them the expert in the human de- genome project and they'll toss that out because because he's a christian, he's a christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait wait so they don't care about experts they're they nope yeah they turns out yeah. that was a false flag right but but the <laughs> the mindset is still there uh among a, a among christian people you know christian yeah. people will will defer to their uh, to their pastor a lot of times as the expert in theology and Christianity and while it's true that there should be a certain expertise in your spiritual leaders we all have the capacity to hear God speak and we have the capacity to to reason and to to learn and yeah. so if you can you can go to your expert 
but you should still be you should still be becoming an expert yourself. I think all that's the, time. the biggest hurdle. I I think that's the thing that's probably the obstacle, the primary obstacle for Christians in, you know, whether they're going to take charge of their own children's education is just feeling qualified or feeling like they're capable um, and and communicating that reality to them. Like, no, you are. You just are, you know, by authority of God himself. You are. And so you don't need the certification and a little plaque. You just, you've got the Bible. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and, and then as you teach, you become more qualified, right? They talk about that, you know, if you want to learn something, teach it. And so it actually, you know, it, it'll be there. And, and it's it's hard, though. We have to recognize that. I mean, it's just, it is hard. Teaching is hard. I recognize that. And um, at all levels, there's different requirements and that sort of thing. But it's it's glorious, right? I mean, you're, you're training the next generation. I mean, these are, these are your um, immortal souls you're training here and teaching that are made in the image of God. And um, you got to have that long-term vision, right? You're, you're shaping people. And that's like uh, one of the best things you can do with your time is shape people. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Let me that tell was... you, my penmanship has improved drastically in the it last really six years, seven really years. Has. Yeah. That was Vody Bauckham's <laughs> thing years ago before we were even, before you guys were even grown up, was Vody was talking about being generational. And, and you think about, you think about what you're doing today and how that's going to affect your children and their children and their children. And so that's what you're, that's what you're thinking about. You're planting trees that you're never going to sit under their shade. Um, uh, yeah, but and that's what that's what Deuteronomy talks about as well. Where um, you know that Moses tells the people there in Deuteronomy that you're supposed to teach these commandments to your children. And what's interesting in that, you know, teaching them when you sit down, lie down, wherever you are, walking along the road, and so on. Um, and sometimes parents think they read that and they're like, oh yeah, because that's a blessing to the kids, right? I'm supposed to bless the kids with, and you, and you are blessing them. That's true, but it's actually a blessing on yourself, right? By, by reliving history, teaching history, teaching these things to our children, it actually is helping us learn it again because we need to be reminded of it constantly. And that's that's one of the great blessings there is that it actually blesses both generations. Yep. Yeah. 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 All right, take us home. Take us home. Yeah, we're at an hour. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, Should I play the theme music underneath? No, that'll just make me nervous. You, you can turn it on whenever <laughs> you feel That's why I asked. Like. That's actually um, why I asked, because I thought you'd, be, you'd get, start to do what Tabby does, yeah, when it's like, freak out. oh, time limit. I ah! don't have anything important to say, and now the music is playing. Uh, well, I, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on, Jesse. Um, yeah, what, thanks. Thanks for having me here. Well, it, what there are a lot of people, I think, and you are probably know much better than I do that there are a lot of people who are, uh, who are unsettled parents, grandparents, um, people who are around children who are feeling like things are, are not going well for our kids in the, in the education system. And, uh, and, and it's statistically, they're not even hiding it anymore. I mean, they're, they're talking yeah. about how many kids graduate from high school that can't read, they can't do math. Um, they get, they get shuttled through on sports scholarships and then they go out into the, uh, to the, you know, professional sports and then they collapse because they don't know how to interact <laughs> with, with, uh, their girlfriends and their wives and in culture, they're, 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 um, heathens. And, she brought this up yesterday about the Olympics. And have you noticed, have you noticed how many people are, are dropping out of the Olympics or quitting the Olympics or how many athletes? No, are, I, I haven't seen that. No, what's it look like? What's the, 
did you see about Simone Biles? Yeah, Simone Biles didn't didn't compete for the rest of her <laughs> events. Simone Biles, wow. Simone huh. Biles dropped out of the team uh, Olympics event. She 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 dismissed herself from the team because she's basically not mentally she's she's not mentally ready to compete at the Olympics. Yeah. She's huh. she's not able to compete. And so it just seems to me, uh, you know, we've got transgender weightlifters now. We've got a dude that's lifting weights in the women's category. We've got Yeah. My uh, wife was watching uh I think it was the oh, it was the um what was it? It was like the men's like uh jumping, uh I don't remember what you call it, you know, swim jump thing, high <laughs> jump. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> you know, I, I'm into Olympics, you can tell. <laughs> Um, anyways, I think that's the point. Diving. It makes me happy to know there's somebody who knows less than me about sports. <laughs> well, I, I was actually just turned off by it because because my wife was watching this, and then they, it was like apparently it was like synchronized. It was synchronized diving. I think is what it is. They do okay. like they dive at the same time. Whatever. Anyways, two guys. But then the announcer mentioned that one of the guys had a husband back home in Canada, and she was going to turn it off. Like this is stupid. I mean, ah, oh, like and that's why I'm not interested. It's like. Who wants to watch this? This is like, this is, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Well, I think that what we're seeing, though, is in, in a very real way, we're seeing the untethered youth. These are these are kids who are yeah. the product of, of secular upbringing. And they, they're, they're not strong. They're not... They're not tough. These are Olympians, you know, who are, yeah. who are having big, big feelings so they can't compete. Uh, on the national level, and I think international that, or international level, international. and I think that's a, a, I think that's an indicator of what's going on in our culture. And I'm not a prophecy guy, so I don't know if that means that, that Jesus is coming back this week. But I, I definitely think that there's something to be understood um, by us believers that, um, you know. That, uh, I'm I'm fascinated by billionaires when they divorce. Like I'm fascinated by <laughs> Is this a fetish? I am. I'm fascinated by it. Did we mention that everything is connected and inside a comedian's mind you can go from the Olympics to billionaires divorcing right. in like two seconds? Well they are well, they it, are connected. Um, it is actually fascinating, right? Because what was it? Jeff Bezos went through a divorce not too yep. long ago. Yep. yep. And and uh Bill Gates and Melinda oh, okay. recently. Oh that's divorced. right. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Um and uh, Elon Musk has never been married. Yeah, which is no, he's got a girlfriend, and they just named they just had a right. baby and named it like a series of numbers. A series of numbers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but okay, you've got Jeff Bezos and and Bill Gates, both of whom are multi billionaires. I mean, they have they're Solomon basically. They have anything yep. that they want. He built a Bezos built a rocket ship for crying out loud. It just cruised around up in the atmosphere for 10 And then minutes. he came back, which was yeah, too bad, right? You know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the kind of money he has. He can just take a 10-minute joyride to space. Um, but with all of that money and all of that power and all of that influence, he still felt it was necessary to divorce his wife in order to be some, something was still not right. He was still not fulfilled. With $260 billion, with a B dollars, hmm. in, in order to maintain or to, to achieve happiness, he still had to divorce his wife and pick up with another woman. And that is yeah. profound, I think. We, we should be, yeah. And every single Christian um, that you talk to is going to say, oh, if I, 
I would trade places with Bill Gates because if I trade places with Bill Gates, I would do the correct thing with that money. If I if I had $100 billion, I would do the right thing with it. And it's like, mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we can say that because yeah. there's a there's a mindset that's necessary to even amass a hundred billion dollars. And, and that mindset is, uh, is different than my mindset. You know, I don't think like a billionaire because if I did, I would be one. Right? <laughs> right? Well, it's also, it's, it's being like, yeah, you talk about that kind of money and you think, Oh, it'd be so easy to like manage that and be able to do something. It's like, no, no. Like if, if God like suddenly gave you, I mean, you, you know, like there's sort of like the jackpot where somebody wins a million dollars or whatever, a hundred million dollars. And then, you know, commit suicide like two weeks later or whatever. You know, like, it's, like, it's like, what? You know, the, there's fighting in the family because of the money and stuff. Like, there's, you're just not ready for that kind of wealth. And that's actually why education is so important because the, the classical Christian education you're giving students is actually a kind of wealth. Yes. And it's actually the wealthiest, most expensive education you can find. And that's why it costs so much, right? That's why you, people are like, well, why does it cost so much? Or why I have to invest so much in it? It's like, because it's so good, right? It's so, it's so wealthy and rich, but it's actually preparing students it's it, another ner- name for classical education is the liberal arts and the word liberal there means free and it's what free men would study and a free man is somebody who is um you know a, a key figure in society a mayor a politician maybe a pastor or teacher you know somebody who's a key part of that civilization are free men and you have to have a certain education in order to be able to handle that kind of wealth that kind of power um, otherwise you wouldn't be able to do that so yeah that 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 agrees with what you're saying there. See? It's a good thing that Jesse is here you to see? track with you. Because I was about to go, how did we get here? That's exactly right. He said it. Everything's connected and everything is connected. And that's exactly right. If you don't, and that was my point. He just said it better than yeah. I said it. It's um, a good thing I didn't start the theme song underneath. Right. If you have, it, it's a privilege. Right. And we have talked about this. It's privilege. If And if you... Yeah teach your kids how to learn and you teach your kids how to think they absolutely yeah. will be privileged and yeah. and it gives them an advantage that um that other people don't have the people who have commented to me since uh bezos came back from space did you know that he gave a hundred million dollars to uh what's his name uh what's his name i don't know what you're talking about i want to say cory booker but that's not right uh Van Jones, Van Jones, um, okay. came back and gave a hundred million dollars to Van Jones. Now, a hundred million dollars to Jeff Bezos is nothing, but a yeah. hundred million dollars is a lot of money. And he gave it to him just with with this grandiose uh, fanfare. You know, I'm sure that Van Jones will do something fantastic with this money. So Jeff <laughs> Bezos, in order to, because he he is so rudderless, all he is is rich. He doesn't have any depth of, and he doesn't have any wealth beyond his material possessions. In, yeah. in, order, to, in order to feel some sort of sense of purpose, he has to give $100 million to another person and then trust that he's going to do something beautiful and noble with it. And then by connection, by association, Jeff Bezos can say, oh, thank goodness, I've done something <laughs> meaningful now because I gave $100 million to another person. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's interesting to me because I feel like I can do something uh, significant and important like right now, today, yeah. you know, in this family, with my kids, with my friends. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, because I have wealth to give away. Um, yeah. 
Ooh. I don't have a hundred million. Okay, I'm gonna start the theme yeah. song now because that's so, a good. Okay, that's so, a good. Great, intro. yeah, that's really good. Um, so is that it? Is that the best thing that that can be said? So are we? Done? Yeah, it only took you ten more <laughs> extra minutes to get there. <laughs> We really appreciate you being our house guest today, Jesse. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks, Amanda. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm going to end this button here. Yeah, uh, end that one. Stick around. And we're going to fade out. Thanks so much for visiting today, Carl. Join the Comedians family at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference this September. More details at flfnetwork.com. We can't wait to meet all our new neighbors.